2,000 years ago, at sunrise on the first day of the week after Passover, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joanna, another of Jesus' followers, they arrived at the tomb of Jesus' burial, intending to put the final touches on his body. But the massive stone that sealed the entrance of the tomb was gone. The body of Jesus was, was gone, apart from the burial linens that had been wrapped around Jesus' body just days prior. Apart from the linens, the tomb was just completely empty. Now, last year on Resurrection Sunday, we considered the critical theories that have attempted to explain away the bodily resurrection of Christ. These theories are, well, either the Pharisees or the, or the Romans had to have removed his body, or thieves had to have broken in and stolen his body, or Jesus' followers had to have hidden his body in order to perpetuate the resurrection myth. But last year, we considered why each of those critical theories falls woefully short of a reasonable explanation, and it's actually a greater leap of faith to believe those critical theories than to believe the bodily, physical, actual resurrection of Jesus. So today, Resurrection Sunday 2022, we're not gonna consider that Christ is risen. He is absolutely, resolutely, non-negotiably risen and even the most clever critical theories have done nothing to prove otherwise. So, Standing on reasonable fact of Christ's resurrection this morning, we're not going to consider that Christ is risen. We're going to consider because he is risen. And we're going to keep it simple today. We've got all of our younger kids in here with us today. We're going to keep it simple. I hope that everyone in here is able to follow sometimes my hard to follow thinking here. I hope it's clear. I hope it's concise. There is art in brevity. I hope it's all of those things. Most importantly, I hope that it is glorifying of the risen Christ. Because Christ is risen, we can be assured that we are saved from sin. We can be assured that our faith-fueled conduct of our even being here right now is not meaningless. And we can be assured that we, be, we, we will be resurrected as he is. Our passage this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. I'd invite you to turn there in your Bibles or on your devices uh, if you haven't already done so. Now, as you do, let me explain why this particular passage was on my heart, and I believe it's pertinent for us today. A couple of weeks ago, I came across the social media posts of a fairly influential Christian he was being applauded on Twitter by scores of other professing Christians for his brave and honest admission that Christ very likely did not rise after death, at least not physically. And his second brave admission was that Jesus' followers, they probably, they, they probably won't also rise from death, at least physically. However, Jesus is still worthy to be worshipped and followed. Now, the alarming part, beyond just that that was a, a belief of a professing Christian, was the number of Christians that were liking the tweet and responding. And our passage today, this morning, reveals that this erroneous way of thinking is nothing new. This is nothing new. 
In the first century city of Corinth, it was a booming commercial city located in southern Greece. The professing Christians there were toying with a similar belief. Although they, they did believe that Jesus did rise after death, they were also quite insistent that his followers would not rise in the same manner. Now, we're going to dive in a little bit today. But before we do, I just need to ask, and you don't have to answer, what is it with the resurrection? What is it about this particular doctrine that attracts so much misunderstanding and misapplication and manipulation? I mean, look, I get that the resurrection, it's an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary phenomena. It's unexplicable, or it's unexplainable, rather, according to human science. But the resurrection serves as the bedrock for our hope in God. Without the actual physical bodily resurrection of Christ, church, we have nothing. We've got nothing. And we'll see that in a moment. Now, I've used this illustration before, okay? So all the kids, if you're into sports, follow me on this one. Picture with me a hockey game, all right? That's one of my favorite sports, so I get to use whatever illustration I want to, okay? So picture with me a hockey game. Both teams, they're completely there. They're dressed. They're on the ice. I've used this illustration before. The referees are on the ice. The scoreboard is lit. The crowd is in the stands, but there's no puck. The puck is gone. No big deal, right? No big deal. Everything else is accounted for. Let's play some hockey. Well, no. No, because even if everything else is in place, so the teams are there with their sticks and they're dressed and there's referees and a scoreboard and a crowd, if there is no puck, three inch diameter, one inch thick, if there is no puck, it's no longer hockey. You can't even play. And so it is with the actual physical bodily resurrection of Christ and his people. All right, follow along as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. And what we're reading here is the Apostle Paul calling them back to right understanding about the resurrection. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's not true that or if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of, are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you say a word of prayer with me? Oh Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would 
you open to us your holy word that we might understand, that we might apply it, that we might apprehend the confidence that we have in the resurrection of Christ and how that changes everything. That changes everything. Give us by your Holy Spirit an assurance of this. We can't convince ourselves of this. You have to do it. Please do it today. And to your praise do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Because Christ is risen, we can be assured that, and here are three points. They're gonna be pretty brief. Number one, we can be assured that we are saved from sin. We can be assured that, number two, our faith-fueled conduct is not meaningless. And because Christ is risen, we can be assured that, number three, we will be resurrected as Christ is. I'll repeat those as we go. Number one, because Christ is risen, we can be assured that we are saved from sin. Verses 12 and 13, Paul first begins by insisting that the concept of the resurrection is a package deal, right? It's a, it's a package deal. If Christ raised, well, so will his followers if his followers aren't raised, then Christ wasn't raised. They're a package deal. You don't have the one without the other. Now, we'll come back to this in a bit, but that sets the context, and then Paul gets straight at it. He goes straight to the Corinthians in verse 17, the Corinthians and us, and here's what, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile because you're still in your sins. The gospel, not effective if Christ has not been raised, you're dead in trespasses. If Christ hasn't truly been raised, you haven't truly been saved. The actual physical bodily resurrection of Christ is a salvation issue. There are a couple of responses on that post on Twitter and they're, oh, be careful, you know, about saying that Jesus didn't rise from the, from the grave because you're, you're in the process of deconstructing your faith. Newsflash, he's already deconstructed his faith. He is no longer a believer if, in, in fact, he holds to that till the end. It might seem brave and culturally agreeable to say, Jesus may or may not have risen from the dead, but, but he is my truth. And therefore, I'm going to follow his example. I mean, that's, that's foolery because where there is no resurrection of Jesus, there is no justification of sin. Paul writes it elsewhere, Romans 4.25. Jesus was delivered up on the tree for our trespasses and he was raised for our justification. Now follow the logic on this for a moment because I'm gonna do just 30 seconds of history. In the days of ancient Israel, the priests would sacrifice bulls and goats to atone for sins that the people had committed against God. But after an animal had been sacrificed, it was powerless to atone for any more sins that would be committed. The animal was dead, done. So day after day, year after year on end, more bulls, more goats, more sheep, more doves would have to be sacrificed because one sacrifice could never completely remove sin from God's people. But listen to what we read in Hebrews 10, verses 12 through 14. After Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, that is, after he died on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of God, resurrected and ascended, 
And now by his single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, not only did his perfect sacrifice cover and remove all sin from us forever, he is alive to ensure it. He's alive to plead his blood over and over and over and over again. Don't hold that sin against him. My blood covers him. Don't hold that sin against her. My blood covers her. We've got to believe this today. If you don't believe this, oh, believe this. Oh, Holy Spirit, give to us belief. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart, listen, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The resurrection is so key. Because Christ is risen, we can be assured that we are saved from sin. Point number two, because Christ is risen, we can be assured that our faith-fueled conduct is not meaningless. Paul reasons with the Corinthians in verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain, man. What I'm doing right now is silly. And you might think that anyway, but stop right there. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Verse 17 again, your faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised, second half of 19, then we are of all people most to be pitied. Out of every people on the planet, we are the most pitiful. I think it should tell us something that God himself communicating through the Apostle Paul in his word stakes everything on the physical, actual, bodily resurrection of Christ. If Christ isn't raised, y'all are dumb. It should convince us as the culture right now just really latches on to this real brave idea that, oh, you know what? Jesus is my truth, whether or not he raised. It's really not brave or noble to say anything such as that. It's absolute idiocy. It's foolery. And the Bible, God's word says as much, if Christ did not rise as the guarantee that he is victor, his word is true, and he is coming back to complete what he began, then everything that we do in the name of God, in the name of Jesus is dumb. It's meaningless. Our preaching, our prayers, our devotions and Bible reading, our church participation, our worship, baptism and communion, repenting of sins, striving to obey God's word, giving, serving, stewarding, and fruit bearing, it's all meaningless. What are we doing with ourselves if Christ did not rise? Now the Corinthian church needed to be reminded of this. Tell me who, who this sounds like. At the time of Paul's writing, they were positioned in a very affluent city, very educated, very immoral, and very politically correct. And the Corinthian Christians were catching serious heat over the biblical understanding of sexual immorality, marriage, idolatry, idolatry, and the resurrection. Who does that sound like? Who's catching a bunch of heat over those exact things right now? 
in order to better fit in the Corinthians, what they did, they started, they started flexing on a lot. They started going, you know what? That part of the Bible, we're just gonna, we'll just keep that a little bit quiet. And then we'll go over here and we'll emphasize this other doctrine, which is really friendly. And it's actually just getting, it, it's easier to fit in here because uh, we're just gonna take the bits that we, we want and leave out the bits that are, that are hard. And, and, and that's what they were doing. And that's what Paul is writing to correct. Okay, uh, among all the other doctrines that you're flexing on because you're being pressured by society, uh, you re- do realize you're flexing on the resurrection. And if you flex on, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ was risen or that his people are gonna rise, you realize you have nothing now. The ice has, has more than cracked. It's caved in, you're drowned. It's done. And so the inversion of what we're reading here, what we can, we can take a, a celebratory note here. Well, Christ has most assuredly risen. And so now, because, because of that, you gotta see this. What we're doing right now is not meaningless. Our preaching is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. Your devotions, you're getting after God's word and having your mind renewed and your heart revived in God's word and conforming to his word, obeying his word for his glory and your joy, your repenting of sin, your giving, serving, stewarding, all of it. Church participation is already hard, y'all. I'm in here and I'm very dislikable at times and you are too, but guess what? We're not doing this in vain. There's a point to all of this. There's an upward trajectory to all of this. It all counts and it's not to be pitied because Jesus is alive. He is alive. And so it should urge us all. Christian, if you are weary of being in the 21st century and being in America at that, if you're weary of upholding the truth that the culture around you wants to forget, Look, stand firm by the Holy Spirit. Stand with me and help me to stand up and I'll help you to stand up because ours, ours is a living savior and a living king. Because Christ is risen, we can be assured that none of this is without meaning. All of this is meaningful. Every bit of it is meaningful. Number three, because Christ is risen, we can be assured that we will be resurrected as Christ is. Once again, the Corinthians thought that though Jesus very likely was actually physically raised to life, his followers would not very likely be raised to life. And so over and over and over in this passage, Verses 12 and 13, 15 and 16, 18, 19, 20. Paul beats the life out of this drum that just as Christ rose, so will we. If we don't rise, Christ didn't rise. Don't we, don't we think that there's, 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 there's more hope that Jesus gives to us than in this very fleeting life and moment right now? Of course Christ's resurrection and our resurrection are not mutually exclusive. There is no difference, no discord between the two. You and I and all of us in this room, each one of us who believes in our heart that Jesus is the risen Lord will be resurrected after death just like him. Now listen to me for just a second. 
we need to demystify the whole, like, we're going to float in heaven as these orbs wearing halos. Now, yeah, stop it. We got to read the Bible when, when it comes to shaping what our future expectation or our expectation of the future will be. We will have actual, physical, recognizable bodies. We will eat and drink and run and play and sit and talk and laugh. We will very likely, almost guaranteed, we'll have tasks and duties like Adam and Eve did in the garden. We'll have assignments. There will be music and song and dance. I think that there is evidence in scripture that there will be a world, a brand new remade world to explore and to travel. God's good creation isn't being discarded. It's being renewed. Spiritual heaven and material earth will converge and King Jesus as God and man will reign as the risen son and we will get to see him face to face. There won't be COVID. <laughs> there won't be allergies, praise God. There won't be war or pain or decay or corruption or destruction or evil or death. Satan, none of it. 2,000 years ago, the massive stone that sealed the entrance of the tomb was moved and Jesus' body was gone. Jesus' body isn't missing. He would have turned up at some point over the last 2,000 years. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead as the first fruits. In ancient Israel, the first fruits were the first crops to ripen. And they would indicate, oh man, that's what the first ones look like. Guess what the rest of the crop is going to look like. And therefore, Christ's resurrection body gives us a foretaste of what you and I should expect. The message of 1 Corinthians 15 is of utmost relevance to us this morning. I'm going to invite our worshipers to come back to prepare to lead us because Christ is risen. We can be assured we have been justified. We have been saved from sin for all those in Christ. Hallelujah. We can be assured that our faith-fueled conduct, our preaching, our praying, our worshiping is not meaningless. And we can be assured that we will be resurrected as Jesus is resurrected. Yes and amen. Let's pray and then we'll continue to sing together. Oh, Lord, there is nothing new under the sun. With every cultural whim we face today, your word has answer if we are just bold enough to look, open enough to accept and read it to have it put on our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Grant to us a renewed confidence today. If we have shaky knees and weak arms and our heads are droopy because of the woes and the weights of the culture, Lord, would you breathe into us new life, new resurrection life, that this day we would behold and be affirmed of this, that because Jesus is alive, I am yours, we are yours, and nothing can shake that. Lord, because Jesus is alive, none of this is meaningless. Our getting after walking in the righteousness that you afford us, our getting after putting sin to death, our getting after living the life 
salt and light in this city, Lord, it is not in vain. And because Jesus is alive, we have this hope to look forward to. We will be as he is, glorified, physically risen. And that day, oh, the beauty, oh, the glory of it. And we praise you now with that future in mind, but also knowing that our present right now, you fill all in all in Christ. You've declared it is finished. You've resurrected as the exclamation point to that statement. And your Holy Spirit is now here, alive and well in your church. Inhabit our praise. Bring glory to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.